So welcome to the sermon part of our Easter Day service. I know I know it looks like somebody's fishing above my head, but this is the best angle for the computer uh, because actually when I'm recording this, there's so much sun streaming in through both the windows. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Just to prove I am here, uh, I do like preaching uh, with a with a nice cup of uh, a nice cup of tea. Uh, my William Shakespeare mug, good one. Uh, but we're going to look today at John chapter twenty. I'm reading from the NIV to start with, and then we're, hopefully I'm. I want to invite you to come on a journey with me, a journey that we're going to share with Mary Magdalene, with Peter and John, with the disciples, and then some reflections. So as you listen to this scripture being read, please uh, look at the emotions, look at the journey that these guys go on, look at where they start and where they finish, look at what's going on as we read through the scriptures. So John chapter 20, uh, and here we go. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outrun Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over, looked in at the strips of the linen lying there, but didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of the linen lining, lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and he believed. They still didn't understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. But the disciples Then the disciples went back to where they'd been staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they've put him. At this she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realise it was him. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary? She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of the first day of the, of the, of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. This is the word of the Lord. It's an amazing story, isn't it? 
the reality and the truth of everything that we believe in. This is Resurrection Day. This is the day that, guys, if you don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus, if as one horrible person once said, it's just a conjuring trick with bones, well, what's the point? What's the point in believing? Jesus's death is what made everything possible. The resurrection is the proof. It's the proof. It's the proof. It's the proof that the cross was effectual. It's a proof that everything that Jesus said was going to happen did happen. It's the proof that God has sorted things out. So many people have tried to write books disproving the resurrection. Um, Evidence that demands a verdict by Josh McDowell. Who moved the stone by Frank Morrison? And do you know what happens so often for these guys as they try and gather the evidence to prove the to disprove the resurrection? What happens is the resurrection gets proved to them. So, what is this journey for this Easter day, this day of hope, this day of life, this day of resurrection? The first thing I want us to notice before we look at the people is the context. We come to Good Friday knowing that Easter Sunday is going to happen. Mary, Magdalene, Peter and John, all the disciples, they came to that good, that first Good Friday, well they came to that Friday in the middle of Passover and went, what's just happened? Why has it all gone wrong? He's got himself arrested, he's not defending himself, Peter's going, and I've messed up big time, I've denied him. And one of their own, Judas, has betrayed him. They must be in a place of deep, deep disappointment. It's not worked. This They thought this was it. They'd never seen a man teach with such authority. They'd never seen a man do so many things. This must be Messiah. This must be the one from God. This is more than just a good rabbi. This is Messiah. This is the Christ. This is the one they've been waiting for for generations. And here, he's dead. He's dead. The grief, the bereavement, the sadness, the disappointment. And with that, oh heck, what have we done? What have we done? We left our families. We left our livelihoods and we followed him. And we're known to the authorities now. We're part of this lunatic. Fr- oh my goodness, what have we done? That's the context. Disappointment, sadness, fear and death. Wow. And yet these events of Easter Day, that first Sunday, is going to unravel, 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 unravel and take them to a new place. Let's start with Mary, shall we? she's in that place she's so clear she went to the tomb and actually we find her after uh peter and john have been there weeping she's distraught she goes to the tomb full of sadness and disappointment and fear and even in that she's going to go to the tomb because this is the person she loved so she's going to sort out the burial and make sure everything is fine because they weren't allowed to do it before because of part uh, because of sabbath and all the rest of that So she's going to come and sort stuff out. But the circumstances are not as she expects them to be. She gets to the tomb and the stone's been removed from the entrance. We're not talking about 
a stone. We're not talking about a rock. We're talking about a dirty great big stone that would have covered the entrance to a cave or a, a hollowed out place um, in, in the hillside where she would the stone would have been there heavy one person move it no several people move it possibly but not something that could be done without the guards noticing so she's confused she's sad she's disappointed she's fearful and now she's confused as well what does that do it adds to the fear and when we're really fearful do you know what we do we get angry and that's what she does she comes running back to simon peter and the other disciples and said they have taken the lord out of the tomb we don't know where they've put him they she's complaining it's not like it should be it's not like little does she know it really isn't like it should be but she thinks it's not like it should be for bad reasons it's not like it should be i'm complaining i'm fearful i'm disappointed i'm sad so i'm gonna get angry i'm gonna complain and i'm gonna accuse they who's they is it the, is it the uh pharisees is it the sanhedrin is it the jewish authorities is it the roman authorities is it the roman soldiers is it Pilate? is it who's done it who's moved the body that's what we see in verses one and two and even after james uh, sorry peter and john get to the tomb and they do that bit they, we'll come to them in a minute we jump to verse 11 and we see mary standing outside the tomb crying she's so confused so upset she's crying she weeps she wept as she bent over to look into the tomb and now she's going to see something beyond what she was expecting first time she got there she clearly only saw the the stone moved away and she made some assumptions that the body had been taken and all the rest of it but here she is she's standing outside the tomb looks in and she sees angels wow she sees angels she's distraught she's traumatized and she sees angels uh, the manifestation of the heavenly reality right in front of her one at where jesus head should have been one at his feet and they say why are you crying because they've got the heavenly perspective and again the accusations that she's persuaded herself are true they've taken my lord away i don't know where they've put them and those emotions that that mixture of emotions of fear of um disappointment of grief of anger as she turns round, she sees a man maybe those emotions stop her recognizing jesus maybe the risen christ is so so much more jesus than she's ever seen before that she doesn't recognize him there's something that gets in the way and she just thinks he's a gardener somebody who should know what's going on in this area so she says so if you've carried him see accusation still if you've carried him away tell me where you've put him i'll get him she wants to put everything back into a box that she can understand and jesus with one word undoes her he looks her right in the eye and he says mary he says it in a way that she recognizes the way that that the time she spent with him would tell her what who this is you've ever picked a phone up to someone you know um i do it quite a lot um, i ring people my good friends and i go oh hello darling 
and they know exactly who it is. They don't, I don't have to announce myself, they don't have to look at the number, they hear my voice and they know who it is. I have mm, fallen foul of that one a couple of times and said hello darling to uh, <clears throat> the, the wrong person on the end of the phone. I won't go into detail, talk to me when you see me at some point. But the, the recognition of voice, that spoken word that is so intimate, that is so close. And she says, oh, Rabboni, teacher, Maybe that's her word for him. Maybe that's her special address of Jesus. Oh, Mary's gone on a journey from sadness to disappointment. Can you feel her relief? This is Jesus. She's still a bit confused because it's not what she was expecting. But it was a good, not what she was expecting. And the sense is that she grabs him. She holds on to him. She hugs him because Jesus says, don't hold on to me. So if he says, don't hold on to me, the suggestion, of course, is that she's holding on to him. She's, he's not talking about uh, general stuff there. He's not talking about emotion. He's talking about holding on. It's a physical thing. Don't hold on to me. I've yet to ascend. And then she's excited. She goes to the disciples and says, I've seen the Lord. And she tells them what happened. A journey from sadness, disappointment, Fear, more fear, complaint, anger, accusation. And just that speaking of her name by Jesus, that intimate, personal, individual encounter. Belief. Belief. Wow. She's there. There's the individual encounter. What about Peter and John? Peter and John are the opposite ends of the extremes of disciples. Peter, the older man, probably the oldest man in the group. Peter, the, the worldly wise, the rough and ready, the non-educated, the, the fisherman. The fisherman that is, is, knows, what it, knows what it's at, uh, doesn't, doesn't muck about, speaks his mind plainly. He even gets rebuked by Jesus for doing so. And he runs. Run, run, run. And John, the young lad... The excitable, the emotional, the, the one that Jesus loves and the one that is close to, the one that laid his head against Jesus' chest at the, at, the, um, at the Last Supper. The one who's so intimate, and we've talked about that before, that intimacy to hear God's voice, hearing the heartbeat of heaven. Here's Peter, worldly wise and strong. John, much more emotional but very enthusiastic. They're in the same context, disappointment, fear, sadness. With Peter, maybe a little bit of, wow, I've messed up. A bit of guilt running through all that as well. Um, and for John, just what's happened? What's going on? Peter runs on and they get there. John wins. John wins the race. Not surprising. He's younger than Peter, probably 20 years younger, if not more. Probably 30 years younger. And he gets there first. But his insignificance kicks in. He's hesitant. He's faithful. He stays back. He holds back. Hang on. Oh, what will I find? Will I find Jesus' body? That'll be worse. But he runs. And then Peter catches him up. I, I can imagine Peter getting there a bit out of breath. And a bit... Oh, but Peter doesn't muck about. In his way, he's straight on it. Maybe he's run going, I'll fix this. I'll find the body. I'll sort it out. I've got to do something sort of person where the guilt of his betrayal of Jesus, not his betrayal, his denial of Jesus, uh, maybe his guilt is going, right, I'll fix this, I'll sort, I'll sort, the, I'll sort the, uh, out the, uh, 
the burial stuff. And he straight in, straight in, rushes in, and uh, John is hesitant, but Peter runs in. And then it says, doesn't it? Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running. The other disciple outran, reached the tomb. He bent over, looked in, but didn't go in. Peter ran in. Simon Peter ran in, went in straight through, saw the strips line and the cloth that be. It's all what confusion. What's going on? It's not what they expected. And then the other disciple, who had actually got there first, I love that little bit of detail. John's put that little bit of detail in, basically going, hello, this is me, the author. I'm the one that's writing this story, so I know these things. He got there first, and he saw. And it says very simply, he saw and he believed. Wow. He didn't even encounter Jesus like Mary did. He saw, he saw, he saw nothing. He saw linen and an empty tomb. And he believed. In the back of his head, in the back is something, they, it says they didn't understand from scripture, but they remembered there's something, I think John's intimacy with Jesus plays here. John is so close to Jesus, so close to that heartbeat of heaven, that he, he realized there's a, there's a penny dropping moment. It doesn't mean he's got the full story. It doesn't mean he's got it all sorted out, but there's a moment, the, the penny drops, and he goes, oh, Jesus is alive. Jesus isn't here. But he's there's nothing there. He saw and he believed. So there's the individual, Mary, trauma, coming through to a place of joy and excitement. Here's Peter and John running. What they want to see, they want what's gonna find out. They're again in a place of disappointment and fear and all the rest of it. What's going on? And they see the empty tomb. It's absolutely amazing. And then the last bit of the passage that we looked at, Jesus appears to all of the disciples. Now, it is fascinating because on the evening of that first day, they were all together. And that means Peter and John were there and they must have heard the story. But those other guys, some of them very rational, some of them very emotional. Some of them, they're all different personality types, just like us. And the fear is still there. Peter and John may believe, but... The fear is still there. The fear hasn't gone yet. Because it says they were meeting behind locked doors for fear of the Jewish leaders. The fear is still pervading them. And it's a, it's a body fear. It's, it's part of their, their combined psyche that means they're fearful because they haven't quite got hold of the fact that Jesus is risen. So what does Jesus do? He passes through the wall, obviously, he appears amongst them. Not because he's a ghost, but because he's more real than the physical reality around them. And he stands there, and the first thing, he doesn't go, Hi, it's me, bow down, worship. He doesn't He doesn't go, why? He doesn't turn to Peter and say, Why do you deny me? He doesn't do anything. He's, he, like that, he says, Peace be with you. Peace. That word, if it was in Hebrew, would be shalom. It doesn't just mean peace, i.e. stop panicking, stop fearing, stop worrying. It means um, wholeness. It means take away the negative and f be filled again with his presence, with his love, his spirit bringing them peace. Peace be with you. We use that, and it's used across the world in so many places, as a greeting. Peace be with you. But actually, it's a blessing. It's more than that. It's a, it's a, an articulation and a pronouncement of something deeply profound. Peace 
be with you. Maybe some of you need to hear that this morning. Peace be with you. Jesus speaks that. Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. So he's saying, guys, this is just the beginning. It's not the end. This is just the beginning. Now can you feel the mixture of emotion? There's a mixture of emotion. I, peace be with you. The Father sent me and he breathes on them. He breathes on them. I've missed a bit out. Before he breathes on them, he says, peace be with you. But actually, peace be with you. As he said this, he shows them his hands. He says, look, look, look at the scars, look at the scars. He shows them their side. You can't see that bit down there. Good. And the disciples that needed evidence have now got it. They've got the evidence. Jesus is here. Is it Jesus? Are we just having a hallucination, a mass? Oh, hang on holes in his wrists it's not just thomas that's coming later in the passage but he shows them the evidence some need john needed an empty tomb to believe some needed the presence of jesus and the holes to believe and to see the holes in his hands in his wrists in his side and his feet peace be with you he says shows them the evidence and what happens peace evidence and they were overjoyed that means they were filled to overflowing with joy it's party time they've gone from that place of fear of, of disappointment of sadness and grief and and death and now here's jesus wow peace joy faith and life he is alive it's an amazing journey the individual mary does that journey from fear to faith she does that journey from death to life. Peter and John do that journey together. And then the disciples, all of them, do that journey. It's an amazing, amazing way of thinking and looking at these things. Look look what happened that first day. It is a journey. Excuse me, I'm just going to have a drink. It's an amazing way of doing it. They've gone from fear to peace and faith. They've gone from disappointment to hope and joy. They've gone from death to life. Wow. Do you realise we're in the middle of Passover right now? Passover on the Jewish calendar started on the 8th of April. It's going to finish on the 16th of April. These guys are aware of what Jesus has done and it's by his blood and his death that everything is possible. Guys, I want to ask you some things. I want to ask you that, to declare the blood of Jesus that has been given on the cross, that he is our Passover lamb, that the spirit of death, eternal death, and the spirit that is behind all this um, virus, um, it's all because... It's all because of uh, uh, our sin, of course, and, and that all happens. Sickness only happens in the world because of the fallen nature of the world. And the Lord is calling us back to repentance. It's calling us back to humility. But would you call out the blood of Jesus? Are you? It's, it's an old-fashioned phrase, and it's one I don't like using. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? But actually, I know as a born-again believer that the blood of Jesus has covered me. And I know that's true for my family, and I know it's true for so many of you. But take it and say, Lord, I believe I am under the blood. Just like on Passover, where they put the blood on the door lintels, the blood of the sacrificial lamb, and the angel of death 
passed over them. That's where the phrase comes from, passed over them and they didn't die. Pray, plead the blood, declare the blood of Jesus over yourself, over your family, declare that, that blood over uh, our parish, over our area, over our city in London, over our nation, over our government, over Boris Johnson. Yeah, that's me asking you to do that over Boris, that he might find faith in the middle of all this. Over the nations of Europe, over the nations of the world, Jesus' blood is sufficient. Come under that blood, say, declare that blood over us, that the angel of death will pass over, will pass over, unless the Lord is calling people home. If the Lord is calling some people home, they, we need to release them and let them go. But let's call the blood of Jesus over us and let's make the journey that we need to make at a time such as this so often we need to recognize the fear is there fear around us go onto Facebook go onto anything that's, that's posting stuff there's fear everywhere fake news false news everybody's gonna die the BBC website the other day said this virus has has killed so many people do you know what um, so many people have died with the virus how many people have been have died because of the virus we don't know we don't know so many of the people so many of the people still uh, have who have the virus have had underlying issues it's still about 99 percent of folk in our area in buckinghamshire have not got the virus let alone that you know so that's one percent i don't think it is even one percent yet but 1% have got it, but that doesn't mean 1% have died from it. It just means they've got it. I, we've got people in the congregation who've had it and recovered. I've got good friends who've had it, and two or three of them really quite badly, but they've recovered. And this includes men in their 50s. They've recovered. They've had a bad couple of weeks, but they've recovered. Boris will recover, but I don't want him to recover back. I want him to recover through into the knowing Jesus. So let's pray for that in a minute. So recognize the fear, recognize the disappointment. Lord, what's going on? Why is this like this? You, you said to me, we were going to do this, we we're going to do that. I think we probably still are. These things are still going to happen, but the timing is different. And there's death, that fear of death around us. Recognize it and deal with our entitlements. I'm entitled to a long life. I'm entitled to my health to be like this. I'm entitled to be able to go wherever I want to. I'm entitled to walk in the park. I'm, in I'm entitled to do anything. I've had to deal with it. Let's deal with those entitlements and the idolatry of career, the idolatry of money, the idolatry of education, the idolatry of anything that's more important and gives us more security than Jesus does. Let's come back to him. Let's do the journey that Mary did. And let's not do it on our own like with Mary. Do it like Peter and John and the disciples. Do it. Let's do it together. Let's walk with faith. Recognise the fear, but walk into faith. Recognise the disappointment and walk into joy and hope. Recognise the death and see the life that is coming. Take courage. I'm speaking directly to you now. Take courage, you lion-hearted, courageous disciples. That's who you are, and I'm calling that out over you. You are courageous, not fearful. You are lion-hearted, full of, full of that boldness, and full of that prophetic um, power and authority, and your disciples. So let's make the journey. What we're going to do now, as I come in to close, is we're going to come to um, 
I suppose you could call it a festal shout if you want to be Anglican about it. Um, I was asked in the week, uh, what are we going to do to proclaim that Jesus is risen? Well, uh, some people have put posters out. Some people have done various things. I want us to do this into the heavenly realms. I want to do a festal shout. I'm going to say something and I want you to shout it back. Okay, um, I'm going to say something. I want you to shout it back. I, I'm going to say it and then shout it. Uh, please join in with the shout. Otherwise, I'm going to look very, very silly. And actually, wouldn't it be great if our neighbours neighbours heard us? Okay, I'm going to pray and then we come to the shout. Father, thank you. We recognise our fear. We recognise our disappointment. We recognise the spirit of death that is around with us. And Lord, we recognise where we have walked in entitlements. Lord, we repent and turn from that now in Jesus' name. We receive your forgiveness and we choose to walk in faith. We choose to walk in hope. We choose to walk in joy and we choose to walk in life. We are pockets of resurrection. Lord, give us courage. Would you grow the courage that's already in us? Lord, give us that lion-heartedness. Grow that in us. And Lord, speak to us that we might encounter you like Mary did like Peter and John did, like the disciples did, they would, we would encounter you and know your peace and we would know the hope that is to come. Amen. Guys, ready for this festal shout? Uh, <clears throat> you're just going to have to go with me. So I'm going to do it, take it carefully. There's a few things. One, the first thing we're going to repeat three times. Um, so I'm going to say a phrase and then we're going to repeat it three times. So that means I'm going to say it four times. Once, so you know what it is, and then we say it three times together. So I'm not gonna, we're not gonna say it six times, just four times. Once, and then three afterwards, and then there's more to come. So don't switch off. Ready? Festal shout. This is Easter. Ready? Here we go. Jesus is risen. Jesus is risen. Jesus is risen. Jesus is risen. The Father loves us. The Father loves us. The Spirit dwells in us. The Spirit dwells in us. We are courageous. We are courageous. We are lion-hearted disciples. We are lion-hearted disciples. In the midst of death and despair, in the midst of death and despair, we declare love we declare hope we declare joy we declare faith so we do that again we declare love we declare hope we declare joy we declare faith and above all we declare life and above all we declare life jesus is risen again jesus is risen jesus is risen jesus is risen hallelujah he is risen indeed he is risen indeed hallelujah